Hey, it's just a blessing to be here. For those of you that do not know who I am, uh, I have a picture here of my family, I think. Uh, We've been a part of Forest Grove here for quite a number of years, since around 1990. We've been involved with Youth for Christ, actually not 50 years, not quite, like I'm just over 50 myself, but since 1988, we've been here in Saskatoon working with Youth for Christ, and it's been great. Uh, And this is a picture of, we've had a couple of very uh, significant times in June. First of all, my third son, Samuel, graduated from high school. But then two weeks ago, our daughter got married. So this is our new family here, our daughter Molly and her husband Daniel, uh, who they met at uh, VCA as well. And it was just a glorious day, blistering hot, but lots of fun. We were out at uh, Shekinah Bible Camp, and uh, Daniel is a great young man. They're a great young couple. And so this is now the new Claussen family, um, which we're very excited about. We work with Youth for Christ, and like I said, we've been working with Youth for Christ for quite a few years, and uh, if you need to know more about Youth for Christ, you can go to our website, please do, it's quite easy, it's just yfcsask.com, and you can find out all sorts of stuff, but one of those things, you, you might be intrigued, we have this mobile youth center, so I've got a couple of pictures, basically we've set up this mobile unit to go into a parking lot, park, or some area where kids are hanging out, We can set up activities, hang out with kids, and our goal is to connect local community youth with local community church people and Christians and stuff like that. It's a way to reach out. Uh, This picture here is actually, we were at the Sastel Soccer Center just a week ago, uh, setting up for the evacuees, some kids who were here from the north who were stranded because of the fires up north. We were able to hang out with them and have some activities. And the next picture is one of the days that we're set up right now is with the MCC. And every Tuesday we're at the Applebee Apartments. And so there we are set up with a pile of kids. And so we have a lot of activities that are outside. And we also have a video game system and stuff that's inside. It's basically just a hangout. So after church, uh, we're going to have a barbecue. We've got some people and board members out there. They're frying up burgers, hot dogs. It's all by donation, so we invite you to stay afterwards, have a burger, have a pop, have some chips, come on out, hang out with the youth center there a little bit. There's this thing called a box hockey game. You can play me in box hockey and see if you can win, beat the champion. But anyways, that's, uh, that's a little bit about Youth for Christ, yfcsass.com. But I'm not here necessarily to promote Youth for Christ. I'm here to just share a little bit. So... Today's message in the Passages series, um, basically I just want to talk for a little bit about how God's been speaking into my life, and kind of the question is, how does God speak to you? And I know God speaks to people in a variety of ways. So first of all, of course, there's through his word, the scripture that he's given us. Uh, He speaks to us, he's revealed himself to us through Jesus, who's the living word. But there's other ways that I connect with God, and I think you connect with God. And so for me, I have this picture of nature because God really speaks to me through nature, whether it's in my garden or whether it's just outside by the river or by a lake or whatever. It just seems like whenever I get into nature, God has something really special for me. So he speaks to me through that. Uh, 
God also speaks to us through dreams, through visions, and, and things like that. God speaks to us through other people. And one of the things that I really love about Forest Grove Community Church is when we have a baptism or membership day, and we have people come up here and, and they just share their story, how God has worked in their life, what God has been happening. And I believe, I know that God speaks to me through hearing the stories of how God has worked in other people. And so this morning, that's kind of what I want to do, is I want to share a little bit about my story, about what God has been speaking to me for my whole life, including the last month, and then sharing a scripture that, that has just been a foundational rock for me, and God has really shaped my life. And so that's kind of where I'd like to go this morning. Um, so first of all, I just want to talk to you a little bit about who I am. So I grew up... Uh, my dad is a pastor, and uh, so my whole life I've been a, a pastor's kid or a missionary's kid. So he actually pastored. I was born in Melford. He pastored a little church up in that area. He came, pastored a church here in Saskatoon for a couple of years, and then just in time for me to hit kindergarten, he took a job with the Canadian Sunday School Mission and was leading that mission uh, at Cairnport. So we moved to Cairnport for kindergarten. So, how many of you know about Cairnport? Raise your hand, please. Okay, so, good. That's a lot of people. For those of you that don't know, Cairnport is a very special place. Uh, it's a Bible college. There's a Christian high school. Uh, just to compare it, it's kind of like Hepburn, except even more of a spiritual bubble, if that's even possible. Because when I was growing up in Cairnport, no outsiders lived in Cairnport. The only reason to live in Cairnport is if you were connected to the school. So it was like this big Christian community bubble. And, you know, it was good. It was, uh, I got to go to church like five times a week. I got, uh, and really I got to hear some of the world's best preachers and speakers. So it was really a good experience. And I was really a by and large, a pretty good kid growing up. I was the oldest of four boys. You know, uh, my dad would go speak at camps and stuff, and so we would, like, go around with my dad on these tours, and we'd get to stand up in church, and we'd have our cute suits and ties, you know. We'd all look really good. And So I was a pretty good kid, and how many of you guys know about Boys Brigade, Battalion, so... You know, you're aging yourself if you just raised your hand, because that was, you know, history. But for those of you who know that what that was, I was involved in Boys Brigade and Battalion, and I got the trophy for, like, Brigade Boy of the Year because I was good at memorizing and doing all my crafts and stuff. So, you know, people would look at Gil and go, like, yeah, he's a good kid. By and large, I think I was. During my high school years, I... I kind of went on what I would call an internal rebellion. Not an external rebellion. I didn't go like wild and crazy on the party scene or anything like that. Nothing like that, in fact. In fact, if you saw me Sunday morning, I looked like a pretty good kid. But inside, in my heart, I wasn't right with God. I wasn't stepping with God. I knew how to look good, but I also knew that I didn't quite trust God. I thought, like, give him control and he might mess my life up. So it was, like, it was like a quiet rebellion that was going on in my heart. And 
I remember clearly it was halfway during my grade 12 year and I was just getting completely frustrated. I was like, I was like kind of living two worlds, kind of trying to look good like the Christian guy and you know, I knew what I was supposed to do, but I wasn't quite, my heart wasn't there. My heart was, you know, Gil needs to be in control. I need to do it Gil's way, not God's way, because I just don't have complete trust in God. So halfway during my grade 12 year, I was just frustrated. It was just like, I was ready to quit. Like, I, w- I just wanted to die. I just wanted to end it. I just didn't want to live anymore. I was just like, tired of this. And I remember it was late at night. I was in my room, in, my, in the basement, and God spoke to me. And he spoke to me in powerful ways. And I don't know how I got to this place, but he led me to Ecclesiastes, and in particular Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. And it was just, it was like some random, here you are, Gil. But if I can just rabbit trail for just a minute. Because I believe that there's nothing random about God. Um, I've got a slide that says, for God, nothing is random. Now, better English is probably something like, nothing is random with God. He designs things to happen. He brings people together. It's like, yes, he was the creator God, but I believe he is continually creating things, experiences, bringing people, instances into our lives so that we can follow him. And it's true in the Old Testament. Um, Actually, I have to take my glasses off to read, so this is clear, you're blurry, but whatever. 1 Kings 22. Uh, So that's the story of King Ahab. And King Ahab uh, was going to go to battle, and God was saying, you shouldn't go to battle. And the prophet says, if you go into battle at Ramoth Gilead in 1 Kings 22... He says, you're going to die. So what does Ahab do? He disguises himself and he goes into battle. And then this scripture says this. um, A certain man drew his bow at random. And it's like, well, that's kind of weird. So a certain man drew his bow at random and set this arrow off. And the arrow goes flying. And what does it do? But it lands right in the middle of the armor of Ahab, King Ahab, and he dies. And so this scripture here that's saying that this guy drew this bow by random and this arrow flies, apparently, randomly through the air, hits the king, and that day Ahab dies just like God said it would happen. There's other instances in the Bible where God appears to be random. Uh, In Genesis 24, Rebekah just happened to come out of a well while Abraham's servant was there. Abraham's servant, he was praying to God, God, lead me to the woman who, uh, who um, Isaac needs to marry. And by chance, Rebecca comes by. And so they get married, and uh, he, she marries Isaac. They bear J- Jacob as their son. And, of course, it's of the lineage of Jesus. Years later, Rachel, kind of the same thing, uh, happened to be coming out of a well. Just as Jacob came along and he saw her, fell in love and married her. And so I guess, guys, the moral of the story is if you're looking for a wife, you need to be hanging out at a well or something like that but, or the water cooler or whatever. But, you know, um, Joseph, okay? So Joseph, like, 
He's kind of arrogant with his brothers. His brothers despise him, so they throw him into a pit. It just so happens that this caravan's coming by. This caravan takes him to uh, Egypt. All sorts of random things happened in the life of Joseph. And what happens? At the end of it, God uses Joseph to save the whole nation of Israel. Moses, at the time of Moses when he was born, uh, all the Israelites were being baby boys were being killed. So what does Moses' mom do? But she puts him out in this little uh, basket and uh, he floats away. And by random chance, Pharaoh's daughter sees him, picks him up, and then hires the mom to take care of him for a couple of years. Like, come on. Like, this isn't random. I believe that God works in ways. And so there I was, middle of June. This year, and I don't know what happened to my spring. It was just—it was a crazy spring. But the middle of June, I just had all sorts of pressures going on. So pressures at home, like we got our son; he's graduating. We're getting ready for that. We've got our daughters getting married, so we're getting ready for that. All the time and financial burdens and all that stuff going on. And then with my job with YFC, I'm trying to get this mobile youth center going, and it just wasn't coming together like it's supposed to. There's just all sorts of issues and difficulties. It seems like everything was going hard. Uh, with work, there's just all sorts of other frustrations going on. And then I've got a board meeting coming up, and our finances aren't looking good. In fact, we're behind budget. We need a lot of money. And so somehow I've got to answer to the board, like, how we're going to raise all this money. And I'm just feeling, like, overwhelmed. And then I get this text from my boy Sam. It says this. We got an accident. T-boned a semi-tow truck. We hit him so we're not dead. And I look at my phone. And my first thought is, is this some sort of joke? And then right away my next thought is, okay, God, come on. Like, I've got all this other stuff. I do not need this at this time. Like, I don't have time for this. So I was just like, God, come on, where are you? So I tell my workers, you know, I got to go. This is what happened. It sounds like everything's okay, but I need to go take care of stuff. Sam's supposed to be at work. Elliot's supposed to be at track practice. I don't know what's going on. So I get in my car, and there's just peace. And I just feel God's peace, and I just go, okay, God, I just need to go out there. Thankful that everybody's okay. So we go, I drive out to... Uh, Highway 11 and Wanuskewin Road. And so my wife had gone out to the school to pick up the two boys, had to bring them into the city for some stuff. And just as they were coming across uh, Wanuskewin Road, a big truck didn't see the little truck that they were driving and pulled out right in front of them. And uh, my wife, with her good driving skills, was able to mostly stop the car, but, or the truck, but it hit, like, head on. Well, head on to the side of the the truck totally crushed the front end of our truck didn't do anything to the big industrial truck uh, but thankfully everybody was okay but it wasn't till later that night until I found out the rest of the story and the rest of the story is this just before my wife uh, left Delmany where we lived she went to the grocery store to pick up some food to give to the boys because it's a busy day busy struggle and while she's at the checkout the young man that's there, uh, like a younger boy, uh, he's at the till and they're talking and he remembers her from singing in church or something like that and they talk for a few minutes 
And then just as she's about to leave, he randomly says, you know, I just wrote this poem yesterday and I think I'm supposed to give it to you. Just wait here. And so she waits there and and he runs back to the back and he brings out the poem. And the poem is all about trusting God in difficult times and blessing God in difficult times. And it was just weird to me as I thought back that God knew that they were about to hit this truck. And God knew that it was about to happen. And so what he did is he randomly gave this guy to give my wife and my family this message saying, I am there. And my wife is going to read the poem. These were the words that I got to read when I was sitting in the truck and I saw it lying on the floor there. I didn't think I should move too much. I will not forget to praise you when my soul is tired and torn. And I will not forget to walk your paths when my feet are pierced with thorns. I will not forget to take your hand, O Lord, when mine are bound in chains. And I will sing and jump for joy when my heart is pounding with pain. You will not forget to lift me up from the ashes to the clouds. And you will not forget to lead me when your spirit sings so joyfully loud. You will not forget to break my chains with your hands of freedom and love. I'll forever praise you through it all, my Lord Jesus, O God above. So there was two messages to this poem. The first message is the message of what the poem says, that we will praise God through the good times and through the hard times, that God is with us. But the second message of the poem is this, that God cares so much about us that he creates these random or so-called random coincidences, which, by the way, are God-designed, to speak to us when we need words of life. And I'm not any special to God. My family's not more special to God than anybody else here. We are all equally special in God's eyes. And I know that if God speaks to us in these ways, that he is also speaking and has spoken to you people in ways like this as well. Sometimes... We just call it coincidence and we don't recognize that this is actually God speaking to us personally. The God that says in scriptures that he knows how many hairs are on our head or not. Some random little thing like that. But God loves us and God knows about us so much that he cares to send us these personal messages. It just blows me away. And so that night in grade 12, middle of grade 12, I was in my basement And somehow, randomly, God sent me the message that I needed to know. I was a teenager. I was frustrated. I was depressed. I was discouraged. I was fed up with life. I was probably like a lot of normal teenagers, wondering, who am I? What am I here for? What is life about? Is there any meaning in life? And God brought me to Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13, which says this, Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of mankind. If I can back up for a little bit about the book of Ecclesiastes, it's kind of a weird book. It says a lot of strange things, but it's written by Solomon, who was the wisest man who has ever lived. And the way I kind of see the book of Ecclesiastes, it's kind of like this guy Solomon the wisest guy that has ever lived, wrote this term paper on what is the meaning of life. 
And so he goes through the whole book and he's like, he's talking about meaninglessness and how things are meaningless. And if anybody knew about this stuff, it's Solomon, who was king. He had fame, he had power, he had money, he had significance, he had a lot of wives, and so there's a lot of sex. So he had everything according to the world standards. And in Ecclesiastes, he just keeps musing on all this stuff, and he's going meaningless, meaningless. Everything's meaningless. And he looks, about, he looks in the world, and he looks at all the injustice that's going on around the world, and all the evil that's around the world, and he's going, like, what is the point of it all? And so I kind of see it's like this term paper that he's writing on what is the meaning of life. And I'm the kind of guy that just likes to get to the end and just, you know, just tell me what the end result is. Don't go through all the fluff. So God brought me to the end result. And the end result, the conclusion of his paper is this. Fear God, keep his commands. Fear God, do what he has to say. For this is what you are here for. And when I read that, that night, God just broke me down. And it was like, well, that's not even that difficult. I can do that. That's why I'm here. It's just simply to fear God and to do what he says. And it was like this weight lifted over me. And I just said, okay, God, if that's it, if that's it and you're real, I'm going to do it. I'm going to like throw in the towel. I'm going to give you control. I'm going to go your way. I'm going to let you lead me. I'll try to love you. I'll try to fear you. And I'll try to do what you have to say. It would be nice if I've stayed on that path my whole life, but I haven't. I have strayed and I have to keep coming back to that. But that was a turning point in my life where God just spoke meaningful words to me. I need to go to the next verse. I don't like the next verse, but it's there. It follows right next. And it says this, For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. And this verse is a scary verse. So we live in a world where there's security cameras and cameras all over the place. Uh, like there's probably security cameras somewhere hidden in here. Or they're watching us right now. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not. But, you know, so we have security cameras to keep, you know, so that there's no bur- burglaries. Some workplaces have security cameras to keep their employees honest because they're going like we're watching you so we know what's going on. But the thought that the almighty creator God is watching everything that I do, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil, (laughs) that's a scary thing to me. And... uh, and I don't know if it's like our Western culture or whatever, but sometimes we like focus on, you know, how Jesus is our friend, which is all true and which is all good. But we don't focus on the mighty power of God. And so this picture, like the ocean, think of the power that's in the ocean. Think of the power that God has. Um, and it, it goes back to that whole concept of fearing God. That phrase, fearing God, that's used in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13, that phrase is used in various forms 331 times throughout the Old Testament. 
Sometimes it's used in the concept where, we need, where somebody's afraid of something that's about to happen to them. Sometimes it's used in the concept of when an angel comes to men. And in scriptures, I don't know if you've noticed this, but a lot of the times when an angel appears to man, the first thing they say is, fear not. And why? Because this angel, who is a creation of the Almighty God, but this angel is so magnificent and so fearful that as soon as he appears, the humans are just like, ah! And they're the creation. They're not the creator. And so this whole element of fearing God, some of the times in the Old Testaments that it's used, it's used in the context of an awesome, almighty, powerful God. I, I kind of like in the Chronicles of Narnia where they're talking about the lion, Aslan. And the phrase goes something like, so is he safe? And the comment back is, no, he's not safe, but he is good. And one of the times that the word fear not is used is uh, King David uses it. And it's when uh, they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And the, the command from God was nobody's to touch the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was about to fall. And this guy Uzziah puts his hand out to touch the Ark to keep it stable. And Uzziah touched the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the holiness of God. And he was killed instantly. And the, the phrase, fear God, right then, David uses it. And David became afraid of God because of the awesome power. And I think in some ways, in our current culture, we miss the awesome power of God. Think about, you're in the middle of the wilderness in Saskatchewan, and you got this huge thunder and lightning storm, and the wind is blowing, the rain is pouring down, there's thunder and lightning all around you, and you don't know what's going to happen. And that's just an inkling of the, powerness, the powerfulness of God. So for me, the whole concept of fearing God involves a couple of things. First of all, it's the, the reverence, the honor, the respect. But part of it is my relationship with God. Because when you fear God, you can fear Him and you can fear Him and be afraid of Him. And that's not what He wants. He wants you to fear Him out of reverence, out of respect, to have that relationship with him. And then out of that, you just follow his commands. You do what he says. Where he leads, I'll go. Where he sends, I'll follow. That kind of thing. So just in closing here today, um, just a couple of things. Uh, I don't know. I don't know everybody here, obviously. I don't know. There could be somebody here who's new. Maybe this is your first time that you've ever entered into these doors here. If so, welcome here. Uh, we're glad you made it here. I would say to you that nothing is random to God. That if you're here for the first time, you just walked in for some reason, God led you here. And God led you here because he poured in my heart to say these words to say to you that he loves you, that he cares about you, that he desires to have a relationship with you, that you need to fear him, you need to give life, your life over to him, 
Let him have control and follow the things that he has to say. So, I don't know, that might be you here today. And that might be what God is saying to you. For most of us who are regulars here, it might be something different. Uh, Most of us here, we've been believers a long time. But I don't know, maybe you're like me. You get caught in this. It kind of feels like life becomes this big hamster wheel, you know, where we're just this hamster inside this wheel and all the pressures, the finances, the stuff that we have going on. We just feel like, in a way, we're out of control. And really, we are. But you just feel like you're on this big circle of life and what is going on what am i doing it's kind of like how i felt in june and i have to come back to god and say fear god keep his commands fear god do what he says when i grew up uh, the culture of tattoos was kind of uh, shunned okay so it wasn't like the cool thing now it's kind of different now you know it's kind of normal to have a tattoo. If I were a young person today, these are the words that I believe God has tattooed on my heart. Fear God, do what I say. Fear God, do what I say. And I have to keep coming back to that. It's the word that God spoke to me many years ago. It's the word that God speaks to me because I don't always do that. I start doing things Gil's way, not God's way. And God comes back to me and says, Gil, fear God, do what I say. And when I do that, it just seems that life starts to fall into place. The pressures seem to ease. And so maybe that's you here today. Maybe you feel like you're caught up in the rat race and out of control and you don't know what's going on. And maybe God is saying to you, you know, it's not that difficult. Fear me and do what I say. And the third thing that I would like to point out is that God speaks to us and through us. And we here might be that random voice, that random message that God is going to say to somebody. That young man in the store, he didn't know why he was giving that poem to God, to Ali. He just knew he had to do it. God, first of all, gave him the poem. Then he gave him this message, give it to her for some reason. And it was like... For me, I don't need any more proof that God is real because the way that he spoke was so powerful. And so for all of us, maybe it's a word of encouragement. Maybe it's a random act of kindness that God speaks to you. God pours or impresses you, says you need to go say something to this person. You need to do something to this person. That might be that random act that God speaks to that person. So... Listen to God. And then if he tells you to do something, step into faith and go ahead and do it. What I love about summertime is that we get to sometimes take a little bit of a break. We get to take a pause and a breath and listen to God's voice. And I'd just like to close with a word of prayer and then we're going to enter into a time of uh, music and worship together. But just now, just in this moment, if you would bow your head. And Father God, first of all, I just want to say thank you for who you are. The awesome, powerful creator, yet you care about each of us 
individually in such a powerful way that you know everything about us. You even know what we're thinking right now. And the Holy Spirit knows what words we need to hear. And so I pray that the Holy Spirit would just speak those words and speak life and breathe life into everybody here. And if you're here and you're just feeling like you need a word from God, just maybe as a sign, just with your eyes bowed, just open your hands before God and just say, God, just speak to me. And if you're here and this is all new to you and faith to God is new to you and my encouragement to you would be just give God control. Just release and surrender to God and just say, God, I want to follow you. I want to do what you say. Help me believe. And if there's another word that you need to hear from God, just pray, God, just speak to me the words that I need to hear. So, Father, I just thank you so much for your word, for how you speak to us, how you love us, in personal ways that are very real to each of us. And my prayer is is that all of us would just leave here recharged, re-energized by the power of your Holy Spirit, and that we would go out this week and that we would be used by you to encourage, to speak, to spread your wisdom and to spread your gospel to people who are hurting. In Jesus' name, amen.